can we be sure that we know exactly who he is when he eventually shows up? Are we given signs as to what to look for in this man? And what are the attributes given to him in scripture that can inform us without a doubt that this is indeed the person that is to terrorize the world? This book will provide all the information available regarding this individual so that a clear picture will emerge, providing us with a full description. By doing this, nobody will be left in any doubt as to the attributes of the Antichrist and when he finally arrives on the scene. Those armed with this information will know exactly who he is. I will attempt to accomplish this task by researching our primary source for truth, the Bible. Before I begin to delve into this important topic, I need to set the ground rules. That is, I firmly believe that we should allow the word to speak for itself. I believe that most of the Bible is plain and simple and easy to understand and is to be taken literally for the most part. Even parables have a literal interpretation. And where figures of speech are used, we can identify them and seek their literal meaning. Rather than look to events in the secular world of current affairs and draw conclusions from them, rather we go to the fountain of truth, the word of God, and inform ourselves of this man from that hallowed source. One does not need to be a learned person to understand the Bible. In fact, Jesus told us to beware of the doctors of the law and scribes and other scholarly religious people who always like to point out how well educated they are in this field and how many degrees and doctorates of the theology they possess. A cursory reading of the Gospels will show that the people who constantly challenge the Messiah and try to trip him up, who organize his, his betrayal, his kangaroo court, who planned his torture and eventual murder were the religious leaders, the politicians and the theological elites. What was Peter's occupation? He was a fisherman and Mark, he took care of sheep and the rest of the apostles, they were ignorant and unlearned according to the chief priests and theologians of the day. Basically, they were a collection of working class peasants, most of whom had little schooling. But I bet they were smart people. Peter was a top fisherman, and you would not pull the wool over his eyes too easily. Mark was a great shepherd, and probably made a decent living from sheep farming. These men were experts in their own fields. They were streetwise and intelligent. Per perhaps they were not well versed in theological matters, and were unlearned in regards to the law. But as that great American satirist Will Rogers said, everybody is ignorant, just in different subjects. So if you are a person who has spent years in theology studies and have the letters after your name to prove it, then you might be at a disadvantage when it comes to ferreting out the truths of the Bible. Better we all become like children and allow that we might learn something afresh from Holy Writ. In fact, if we believe that the Bible is the inerrant truth of God, then none of us should be afraid to change our theology on a subject if the plain truth is staring us in the face even if this means giving up believing in something that we have held as truth for donkey's years. Listen to what the word says about itself in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, King James Version. Quote, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. End quote. The truths of the word are so sharp that it can divide between the bone and the marrow. Marrow begins as soft in the centre and then gets progressively harder until it forms the toughness of the bone proper.
So this is a figure exemplifying how sharp the word of God is insofar as it can divide between the bone and the marrow. It can also divide between soul and spirit and is so sharp it can pierce even between an individual's thoughts and the intentions of the heart. In 2 Peter 1.20, we are informed that the word of God interprets itself so that it is not left up to us humans to decide what it says or does not say. Quote, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. End quote. The Greek word for private here is idios and means one's own. That is, no prophecy of the scripture is of one's own interpretation. Because if it is left up to us, we will invariably mess it up, which causes confusion and dissension and then division. This has been the course of the Christian church for centuries. But if we faithfully go back to the scripture and search diligently, we find that in most cases it will interpret itself, thus removing the guesswork and providing us with the truth we so desire. And you can guess what English word derives from the Greek word idios. So the word will interpret itself if we allow it, for no prophecy of the scripture is of any private, one's own, interpretation. And it is very exact. The following is a prime example of just how sharp it is, taken from Luke 4, 16-21, King James Version. Quote, He, Jesus, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and gave it again to the minister, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now this is amazing, insomuch that he had to open the scroll, for they did not have books that, like we have today. They also did not have chapters, paragraphs, or numbered verses. Isaiah was one long continuous document. He unrolled the scroll and found the quote which he was looking for and began reading. But he stopped reading in the middle of the sentence. For if you go to Isaiah 61, verse 2, it says, quote, To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. End quote. Jesus stopped reading halfway through the sentence and sat down and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your